give honor to your wonderful pastor and his wife. Love the Browns very, very much. You are so blessed under their leadership. And you, uh, I can't tell you how blessed you are, but they've been friends for a long time. I think it's been seven or eight years, Pastor Brown, since uh, we've met. And uh, I could tell you some stories, but he's, they're just so kind and they're the real deal. I, there's a lot of people here I know that I didn't know that were going to be here that I know, but uh, the chemists, the florists, the Krebs, God bless all of you. And um, it's good to be with you today. As I was flying into Watertown uh, yesterday, I opened up the window shade and I saw that there were a lot of uh, lakes and I figured out why it's called Watertown. And I'm very, I'm very perceptive like that. I... Uh, then I, the first building that I saw when I opened up the window shade was Taco Bell. And I knew that I was in the will of the Lord to be here uh, because I love Taco Bell. I, I love Taco Bell. And uh, the next building I saw was Walmart. And then I knew I was definitely, uh, God was definitely with me. And because every time I go to Walmart, I come out with something I didn't know existed and something I don't need. And I, so eventually, at some point in this trip, I will be at Walmart. Um, I'm not sure if you heard of the Walmart that was recently devastated by a hurricane in Texas and left 400 women homeless. But, but anyway. But it's a delight to be here um, back in the United States. When I left the Soviet Republic of California, it was, it was 91 degrees and everybody had a mask on. And I got here and it's, whatever it is, it was 41 and nobody had a mask on. So it's like I'm going to two different countries almost. But, um, but it's good to be here. And I'm, I'm thankful. Thank you for uh, uh, having me in this great, great church. I know typically the first time that you come to uh, preach at a church, you try to get to know them and you preach a uh, good message that's going to impress everyone and get them to like you and get you to preach with you know them. And uh, I don't have any of those messages, so um, I guess I'll just preach what God gave me uh, today. So, will you stand with me one more time, if, uh, if you would? I'd like to go to Mark, the 7th chapter, and start in the 31st verse. Mark, the 7th chapter, and the 31st verse. Amen. And it reads this, And again, departing from the coast of Tyre and Sidon, he came under the Sea of Galilee, through the midst of the coast of Decapolis. And they bring unto him one that was deaf and had an impediment in his speech, and they beseech him to put his hand upon them. And he took him aside from the multitude and put his fingers into his ears, and he spit and touched his tongue. And looking up to heaven, he sighed and saith unto him, Ephah, that is, be opened. And straightway his ears were opened, and the string of his tongue was loosed, and he spake plain. And he charged them that they should tell no man, but the more he charged them, so much the more 
a great deal, they published it, and were beyond measure astonished, saying, He hath done all things well. He maketh both the deaf to hear and the dumb to speak. With the help of the Holy Ghost this morning, I'll preach from the subject, Jesus doesn't do Mickey Mouse jobs. Jesus doesn't do Mickey Mouse jobs. If you don't like that title, you can call it Pausing the Partway Mentality. Pausing the Partway Mentality. But will you lift your hands and we ask the Lord to touch us again today and speak to our hearts and our minds. Jesus, we love you. We thank you for this moment that we're in. And we ask that you would anoint me today to preach your already anointed word. I thank you, God, and I pray your word would not fall on hard or rocky ground today, but I pray that it would fall on good ground and that you would have your way in this place. Don't let anybody leave the same way that they came, God, but let us leave changed. Let us leave transformed. Let us leave this place excited that we're getting to serve you. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. God bless you. Thank you for standing. Thank you for being in the house of the Lord this morning. Musicians, singers, thank you for leading us into the presence of the Lord. You're blessed with great music, blessed with great music, and uh, I feel the Holy Ghost here today. Amen. Jesus does all things well. Not some things, not a few things, not partially, not according to our measurement or fullness or completeness in our eyes, but he does all things well. This phrase that only appears in the book of Mark is used by the people to describe Jesus. He hath done all things well. The word well here means honestly and full and good. And we know that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Genesis tells us that in chapter 1 and in verse number 1, 2, and 3. It begins by saying, God created the heaven and the earth. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light, and it was good. Verse number 10, and God called the dry land earth and the gathering together of the waters he called the seas and God saw that it was good. Verse number 12, and the earth brought forth grass and herb yielding seed after his kind and the tree yielding fruit whose seed was in itself and after his kind and God saw that it was good. Verse number 17, and God set them in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth and to rule over the day and over the night and divide the light from the darkness and God saw that it was good. And God created, verse number 21, great whales and every living thing, the creature that moveth. And the waters brought forth abundantly after their kind and every winged fowl after his kind. And God saw that it was. And God made the beast of the earth after his kind and cattle after their kind, verse number 25. And everything that creepeth upon the earth after his kind. And God saw that it was. Verse number 31, and God saw everything that he had made. Everything. And behold, it was. Very good. And in the evening, the morning were the sixth day. Anything that Jesus Christ does in your life will be for the purpose of fulfilling his will in your life. And it will be honest, and it will be complete, and it will be good. 
it may not always be our timing and our idea of perfect or complete, but uh, his ways are not our ways, and our thoughts are not his thoughts, and his timing is not our timing. As a matter of fact, the Philippians, as Paul is speaking to him, he says, you got to be confident in this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. And no matter how far you have come in God or how long you have served the Lord, I don't care if it's six days, six weeks, six months, six years, doesn't matter. We are all a work in progress. And we have to let patience have its perfect work in our lives. No matter who you are, you will never reach perfection until you reach the other side. There is no such thing as a perfect church. There is no such thing as a perfect pastor. There is no such thing as a perfect saint. We will not reach perfection until we reach the other side. Turn to somebody and tell them the Lord is still working on me. Turn to somebody else and tell them you've got issues. Take comfort in the fact that it is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in His own power. But David said, I have trusted in the Lord. And I said, Thou art my God. My times are in your hands. My faith today is not in the fact that I have it all together. Because I don't. My faith today is not in the fact that the Lord is blessed, and He has. My faith is not today in any worldly accomplishments, and they are not many. But my faith today is in the fact that my times are in His hands, and He does all things well. Somebody say that He does all things well. And that's why we serve the Lord. Because when somebody links up with Him and puts their faith and trust in Him and have totally surrendered to His purpose and His will for their life, that is where the Lord wants us to be and where He can have His perfect work in us. I don't know why. Maybe you're questioning yourself today. Maybe you're saying, I don't know why. I'm in the middle of what I'm going through. But I do know He does all things well. I don't know why my miracle that I've prayed for years for has not taken place yet. But I do know that he does all things well. I can't tell you why this is happening or that's happening or why it seems like I'm going through hell. But I do know he does all things well. I don't know why my children are not serving the Lord. I don't know why I don't have the job that I want. I don't know why I haven't seen everything that I want to see come to pass yet. But I do know that he does all things Well, so I'm going to keep on praying. I'm going to keep on serving. I'm going to keep on living right. I'm going to keep on giving. I'm going to keep on marching. I'm going to keep on worshiping. Because every good and perfect gift comes from above, from the Father of lights. And He either is no variableness nor shadow of turning. Everything God does is for a purpose and He does all things well. Somebody say that. Well. Jesus does not do Mickey Mouse jobs. 
Who knows what a Mickey Mouse job is? It's a job that I, that's good enough for the moment, but it's a far cry from the original plan. I grew up hearing this term, Jesus. Uh, I grew up hearing Jesus, but I grew up hearing the term Mickey Mouse job. And somehow or another, Mickey has been stuck with this title. And if you've ever been around somebody who has done a Mickey Mouse job, you have probably heard these words uttered from their mouths. That's good enough. Nobody's going to look that far down. We're not building a home in Beverly Hills. Just eyeball it. It's going to stand for a couple of winters anyway. I found this thing in the garage. Just use it. If it causes us any problems down the road, we may have to do it the right way. When I was a kid, a popular phrase in our household was, just nail it. And none of us really knew what we were doing. We were not... uh, 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 carpenters by any mean. We were just basically go down to the hardware store, get what you need and just do it type people. We weren't construction workers. We weren't smart in getting things done as far as building. So uh, none of us really knew what we were doing. And if, if it looked good enough and just straight was somewhat, we would say, just nail it. And if a baseboard came up two inches short where we were, or if, it, if a two by four was just, it was too long, we would just say, Just hammer it in. It's fine. Now, as I have grown older, and we'll get to preaching in just a minute, but as I have grown older, I am OCD in a lot of ways. And one of those ways is when the carpet is vacuumed. It drives me crazy when somebody comes to a solid piece of carpet and they think that the proper way to vacuum it is like this. And, and they're just, no, that's not the way you're supposed to vacuum a solid piece. And this is just me this morning. That's not the way you're supposed to vacuum a solid piece of carpet. The proper way to vacuum a solid piece of carpet is you start on the left. And you begin, you come back halfway, you take it one step to the right. And you begin to come down so that the lines match. Then you go all the way across, one step, vacuum, one step, vacuum. Then you take a step back, and you go back all the way to the left again. And you just, all the way. And it takes me about an hour to vacuum a room. But but Jesus wouldn't have vacuumed a room with solid carpet like this. No, Jesus would have, he would have come back over here and he would have started. And he would have gone down. Because Jesus does all things well. And if Jesus were to vacuum your home, it wouldn't look like some of you vacuumed your home. It would be be perfect. And it would be good. And it would be complete. Every line's got to be matching. And, and, you know, and and that's just one of my OCD things. But that's a Mickey Mouse job. When somebody comes in and just does that. Now... Jesus doesn't do Mickey Mouse jobs. Jesus does everything well. Come on, somebody. When he blesses you, he really blesses you. When he heals you, he really heals you. 
When he touches you, he really touches you. When he saved you, he really saved you. When he filled you with his spirit and you begin to speak with another tongue, it was not just part way. It was not just halfway, but it was all the way because I spoke in tongues as the spirit gave utterance. God is not in this journey with you only part way. He's with you all the way because he's the author and he's the finisher. He's the first and he's the last. He completes what he started. He's the alpha and he's the omega. He, oh, he completes what he starts. Turn to somebody and tell him, I don't live in a halfway house. This message I'll be honest with you, this message came to me the other day when I went to pray for a man's son who was in the hospital. And all of a sudden, overnight, he became sick. The doctors didn't know what was wrong. They couldn't tell you what was wrong. I walked into the hospital room because he asked me to come over and pray for him. People had been praying for him for a few days and nothing had changed. And I, I walked into the hospital and I saw this man's eight, seven, eight-year-old son just laying there in the hospital bed. He had this weird-looking helmet on. He had all these IVs and tubes sticking out of his arms. And I was just, oh, God. And my heart just went out for him. I, I walked in and just there he was. And the father and the mother, they're just crying. And so I walked over to him. I said, man, Norbert, come on. Let's pray for him. Let's, let's ask God to do the impossible. But they had tried. They could not figure out what was wrong. They had ran test after test after test after test. And they just said, we cannot tell you. We're just going to have to keep him until... We can find out what's wrong. They did every test. They did every diagnosis. They did everything they could. But, but this poor kid just laying there and something's wrong with his mind and something's wrong with his body. Can't even move. And I just, oh God, I, my heart went out to him. I, I, hate, I hate hospitals anyway. I, I just don't like the smell of them. I don't like the atmosphere. And so I walked in there just kind of already vexed in my spirit. And I walked into that room and, and he just said, Pastor, can, can we please pray? And can we please just ask the Lord? And I said, man, Norbert, we will ask the Lord to do this. And I believe he's going to touch your son. I believe he's going to, he's going to move on his body. I believe he's going to touch his mind. I believe he's going to do something tonight. And so after every doctor had ran every test and after they had done everything that they could, we laid hands on him and we said in the name of Jesus and we begin to pray because we knew all power was in that name. And we begin to plead the name of Jesus over him. And I left and, you know, I felt, felt good about what God was doing. And I believe he was going to begin to do a work in him. And, and I, and I left the hospital that night. And the next morning, Norbert called me and he just said, uh, Pastor, you're not going to believe this. What happened overnight to his sickness, just when we begin to pray, when, when we begin to call out the name of Jesus, he said, just like it had happened overnight, just like he had gotten sick overnight, he, all of a sudden things started to change overnight. And I began to, well, what happened? Or he began to tell me. We came in the next morning and we wished him a good morning. We, we kind of woke him up and all of a sudden he said, he began to act normal. He, he began, there was just like a total transformation. It's like a total turnaround. He said, Pastor, the doctors, like they did all the tests, they couldn't explain what was wrong with him. They couldn't tell us a diagnosis. They couldn't give us anything. Now they're saying it's the same thing. They don't have any explanation as to why he's getting out of the bed. They don't have any explanation as to why he's feeling better. They don't have any explanation as to why nothing is wrong now. But they just said it's got to be a complete miracle. 
It's got to be a complete miracle. And Norbert came up to me. He said, Pastor, I know it was God. I know it was God that healed him all the way because Jesus doesn't do Mickey Mouse jobs. He does all things well. Not some things, not a few things, not partially, not according to our measurement of fulfillment or completeness. But he does all things well. You may not know where you are in life today, but you are not here by accident. You may not know what's happening in your world, but let me tell you, it is not an accident why you are here on a Sunday morning on the 25th of April. God knew exactly what you needed. He knew exactly where you were in life. He knew exactly what you were going through. And he said, it's not going to be an accident that they show up on a Sunday morning and they lift their hands and they lift their voice. And when nobody else is worshiping, they're worshiping it. Nobody else is praising, they're praising. It's not an accident, but I do all things well. And I can give them a miracle. I can save their mind. I can save their family. I can save their job. I can save their house. I Come on, he does all things well. Some of you ought to rejoice in that fact today. You don't serve a halfway God. You don't serve a partway God. No, 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 no. The God I serve owns the cattle on a thousand hills. The God that I serve does all things well. People have failed me. The world has failed me. The doctors failed me. But he does all things well, 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 he does all things well. Matthew said, Jesus said in Matthew, take no thought saying, what are you going to eat? What are you going to drink? What are you going to wear? Jesus said, don't you even think about that. For after all of these things, the Gentiles seek But your heavenly father knoweth you've got need of all of these things. But here's what you do instead. Seek first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. It's not up to me to know why. I don't know why. I'm going through what I'm going through. I don't know why. Pastor Brown, my dad almost died three months ago. And is still on the road to recovery. I don't know why. Sometimes. Some things in life happen. I don't know why. That happened to me when I was a child. I don't know why. That took place on the job. I don't know why. I cannot tell you. It's not up to me to know why. It's up to me to trust. And believe. Because I believe. And I know. He's working all things together. For good to those he's called according to his purpose. And one of the most frustrating things for a person, for a pastor, for a minister is when his timetable does not match up with my timetable. Every scripture in the Bible has a purpose. Probably 
the most boring set of scriptures in the Bible come in Matthew chapter 1. And some of you are like, oh no, he's not going to read out of Matthew chapter 1. Today is he. And, you know, you're going through the yearly, whatever, reading the bread program, and you're like, you come to Matthew chapter 1. And you get to Matthew chapter 1, and you're like, the book of generation of Jesus Christ, the son of David, son of Abraham. You're like, oh, God, I'm done for the day. Hopefully tomorrow they'll give me a new set of scriptures to read for this plan that I'm on. Because you get to these scriptures, Pastor Brown, and it's like, what in the world was God thinking when he put these in the Bible? It just goes through the whole generation of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Verse number two, Abraham begot Isaac, and Isaac begot Jacob, and Jacob begot Judas and his brethren, and Judas begot Pharaoh and Zerah the son of Thamar, and Pharaoh begot Esram, and Esram begot Aram, and Aram begot Abinadab, and Abinadab begot Nason, and Nason begot Salmon, and Salmon begot Boaz of Rechab, and Boaz begot Obed of Ruth, and Obed begot Jesse, and Jesse begot David the king, and David begot Solomon of her that had been the wife of Uriah, and Solomon begot Roboam, and Roboam begot Abi, and Abi begot Asa. And some of you, like right now, you're like, oh, God, just please just. Some of you are nodding up and you're nudging your spouse. God, wake me up when he is done reading the genealogy of Jesus Christ. Because this is the most boring passage of Scripture in the entire Bible. Just wake me up when he's done. Because right now I'm dreaming of Sunday lunch. And I, I've read this before. Most of you who think it's the most boring passage of scriptures in the Bible have probably never read it all the way through. But you're like, oh God, just wake me up when he's done. We got time this morning. Let's read it. And also begot Josephat, and Josephat begot Joram, and Joram begot Ozias, and Ozias begot Jotham, and Jotham begot Ezekiel, whatever that name is, and begot, begot Ez, Ez, whatever, and Ezekiel begot Manasseh, and Manasseh begot Ammon, and Ammon begot Josias, and Josias begot Jeconias, the brethren, about time they were carried away to Babylon, and after they were brought to Babylon, Jeconias begot Selathiel, and Selathiel begot Zerubbabel, and Zerubbabel begot Abud, and Abud begot, I feel like I'm speaking in tongues right now. And Ezra begot Sadok, and Sadok begot Achim, and Achim begot Elud, and Elud begot Eleazar, and Eleazar begot Mathen, and Mathen begot Jacob, and Jacob begot Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who is called the Christ. And so, all the generations from Abraham to David are 14 generations, and from David until the carrying away into Babylon are 14 generations. From the carrying away to Babylon from Christ are 14 generations. Why in the world? But Jesus put all of these scriptures in the Bible. Probably the most boring passage of scriptures we think in the entire Bible. But not if you know why you're reading them. Here's why. Are you ready? It lets me know and lets us see that no matter what God is doing in the in-between times, of completing and fulfilling His will in your life. He does all things well. That king, he was a flake. That person, 
he was a cheater. David murdered Uriah. That man, oh, what a horrible example. Why is he even in the genealogy of Jesus Christ? Why in the world? That one, oh, he was a good one. Oh, her, she served the Lord. Oh, that one, they they were good. That one, an abomination. And we see that everything that happened all the way up to the cross was for a purpose. Every person in the lineage, every failure, every success, all played a part in the lineage of the man who would save the world. Every part of your life, hear me, that you have questions about, that you're wondering about, that you're asking God why, is just another part in the story to God. Because He does all things well. Are you ready? I'm going to start preaching now. And if it takes 42 generations from Abraham to Jesus Christ to produce a risen Savior that will take away the sins of the world and every generation before it, eh, God, and if it takes that long, 42 generations to produce a perfect lamb, He will wait 42 generations. If it takes over 100 years to build an ark so it will stay afloat and not leak, the Lord will spend 100 years until the time is right. If it takes over 25 years for a promise named Isaac to become to Abraham then God will wait 25 years before birthing a nation if it takes over 13 years for Joseph to get out of jail from Potiphar's house to to the throne room he will wait 13 years if it takes over a week to give Job more than he had before God will take a week if it takes more than 3 days to raise Lazarus from the dead God's going to wait 3 days and if it takes the Lord longer than a prayer to answer your need. Don't worry because he does all things well. He does all things well. Not some things. So I'm just going to keep on praying. And I'm going to keep on fasting. And I'm going to keep on living for him because he is working all things together for for our good concerned about where we are as a nation as a country don't worry about it he changes kings and seasons and times and don't worry about where we are because he does all things he does all things he does all things Jochebed, don't worry about trusting God and putting Moses into a basket in the river because the Lord is going to cause Pharaoh's daughter to see it. And it will be at the point at which God begins a lifelong journey with Moses. And he does all things well. Hannah, don't worry about giving your child over to the house of God because in time your son will speak over all the entire nation of Israel because he does all things well. Mary, don't worry about watching your son die on a cross because in three days he will resurrect and he'll hold the keys to death, hell and the grave because he does all things. He does all things well. And if it takes all these years to finally bring a Mark and a Jordan Brown to Watertown. It's all been part of the plan because Jesus doesn't do 
Mickey Mouse jobs. Jesus does all things well. And how do I know that everything is going to be all right? And how do we know that the Lord is doing all things well in the lives of everybody in this house today? It's very simple because in Romans 8, 28, it just says this. We know that all things work together for not our good, but for good to them that love God and who are called according to his purpose. And when I can't find my way, I just trust his will. When I can't tell you what's going to happen next, I'm just trusting his will. Because the safest place you can ever be is in the will of God. The best place you can ever be when you don't understand what God is doing is in his will. Because it's in his will where you're molded and you're going through all of these trials and these things you don't understand. But if it's part of his will, I know he's working things together for But if I'm in his will and I don't understand it, and I can't quite see what's happening, what's, what's going on, it doesn't matter. It's not up to me to know why. It's not up to me to know why it seems like nothing is working right now. But it is up to me to trust and obey because I'm in his will. And if you're not in his will today, I'm telling you the best place you could ever be is in the will of God. Even Jesus had to pray that prayer. And if Jesus sweat blood and tears, why should it be easier for me to pray, not my will, but thine be done? If that's Jesus talking, my goodness, what's it going to be like when I begin to get down on my knees and say, God, not my will, but thine be done. Not my will, but thine be done. And that's in the place where God is forming you and he's molding you. Did you know God has a purpose and a plan for everybody in this building today? Don't ever become comfortable where you're at. Don't ever be, and maybe that's a word for somebody in here. Maybe, maybe some of you need to get ready for God to begin to mess with you. But don't ever become comfortable in the place where you just, you're questioning God and you're comfortable in the place where you just, okay, I don't really know what's going to, maybe this is where God, well, no, no, God's will is for you to keep on moving and keep on moving and keep on moving and keep, it's not for you just to stay silent and stay, and, and I'm, I, by nature, I'm an introvert and I have a hard time talking to people. Maybe it doesn't appear that way today, but I have a, I have a hard time talking to people. But, but God is slowly moving me out of that. And it's God's will for you to slowly move. And he's just trying to mold you. And he's trying to form you. And he's trying to make you into what he wants you to be. You're, you're a work in progress. You, you, I've got issues. You've got issues. We've all got issues. But we're still, work. God is still working on each and every one of us. Just so he can have his good and perfect will in all of us. Because he does not do Mickey Mouse jobs. You are not here by accident. You are not in Watertown by accident, but you are here in the will of God. And it's his 
It's his will not for you to stay complacent. It's his will not for you just to stay where you are. It's his will for you to grow. And it's his will for you to go to the next level, whatever that is. And it's his will for you not to stay stagnant, but to be somebody productive in the kingdom of God. He, you're not here just, just because. And no, 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 no. God's got a perfect plan for you. And he's got something that he's going to begin to work in you. If you can say, God, let your will, but you've got to find that place where you just say, God, let your will be done in my life. I'm not here by accident. I'm not here by happenstance. I'm not here by chance, but I believe I'm in the perfect will of God. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. I'm going to keep on this just for a minute. I feel like I'm in the perfect will of God. And I believe you're working things together for my good. And so right now, I'm going to begin to trust you more than I've ever trusted you before. I'm going to begin to call on you more than I've ever called on you before. I'm going to begin to pray like I've never prayed before. I'm going to begin to fast like I've never fasted before. Because I know you've got things going for me. And I know you're working things together for my good. So I'm going to begin to take a step of faith. And I'm going to begin to step out. And I'm going to say, God, if you're working things together for my good, for our good, for the church, for the for me as an individual, for our pastor, for this city, if you're working things together for good, then I'm going to take a step of faith. And I'm going to say, okay, God, not my will, but thine be done. And that's a scary moment. That's a scary thing for us to step out of our comfort zone and to say, oh, God, I want you to use me, but maybe you're really not praying that prayer. Maybe you're saying, oh, God, I'll pray that prayer, but really don't let it come to pass. Because it's it's an exciting thing when God begins to use you. It's an exciting thing when God begins to reveal things to you about yourself. It's an exciting thing when all of a sudden you're, that's why that happened. Okay, now I understand. Now I see what God is doing. But I'm telling you right now, you're not here by accident. And maybe this isn't the message you expected to hear today. I, I, I don't know. I'm just kind of going in the Holy Ghost right now. But, but I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm telling you. Some of you are questioning yourself right now. What am I even doing here? I'm telling you, you are in the will of God to be here this morning. Jesus doesn't do, nothing's nothing by happenstance, nothing's by chance, but you're here in the will of God. And God is calling some of you to take another step this morning. God is calling some of you to take a step of faith this morning. God is calling some of you to take a step beyond your comfort zone. And he's calling you to say, okay, God, while I may not understand it, I know you do all things well. While I may not comprehend it, I know you do all things well. While I may not compute it in my mind, I know you do all things well. And so I'm going to trust you. And when you get beyond that place of questioning, and when you get beyond that place of wondering, and when you get beyond that place of just thinking, okay, what is God doing? That's where you know, okay, I'm in the will of God right now. I don't understand everything, but I know he does all things well. He does not do Mickey Mouse jobs, but he does all things well. And he's calling me to be a soul winner. He's calling me to teach a Bible study. He's calling me to win my family. He's calling me to win my city. He's calling me to win people on my job. I don't know what he's doing, but I do know he's doing all things well. Come on, we ought to rejoice in that fact today. He's doing everything There are no accidents with God. I don't care what your family told you. I don't care what your background is, where you came from. If this is your first Sunday in church, I don't care about any of that. All I care about is just getting it across somebody's mind and your spirit today. You're not here by accident. You are here in the perfect will of God. And I'm telling you right now, 
Oh, come on, stand to your feet. I'm going to be done in just a minute. I want you to lift your hands right now. And I just want you to begin to call out to him. God, I need you today. God, I need you today. I've questioned whether I'm even in your will. I've questioned why. I, I don't know what's happening. But I'm just going to trust you today. That you're working things together for the good. Come on, God's not going to leave you. He's not going to forsake you. He's a friend that's sticking closer than a brother. He's not going to bring you this far and just let you just go off somewhere. No, 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 no. God is calling you right now saying, come unto me. Draw nigh unto me and I'll draw nigh unto you. Find me and I'll show you what I'm doing. Come on, talk to me and I'll begin to reveal things to you. Come on, somebody. I'm trying to draw you right now. I'm trying to get you closer to him right now. I'm trying to help you understand God is working right now. We sing about it. Even when I don't see him, he's working. Even when I don't feel him, he's working. Even when I don't understand, I know that he's working. When I can't see him on the left and I can't see him on the right, I know, I know, I know, I know he's working on me. When I can't tell you everything that he's doing, I know he's working on me because he does all things well come on somebody reach out to him right now reach out to him right now call out to him right now jesus we need you jesus we need you jesus we need you jesus we need you jesus 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 we need you jesus jesus Jesus. Come on, you're a part of this revival of the church of the living God. You're a part of the greatest thing in this last time hour that God is doing. You're a part of everything that God is working together. You're a part of the church of the living God. And I've got to get it out of my mind. He only does things when I agree with his methods. This is, that's called partway faith. That's called partway faith. No, 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 no. I've got to remind myself, even when I don't agree with his methods, I'm still going to be in his will. Even when I don't know why, I'm still going to put myself in the middle of the will of God. No, that's part, you got to get that in your mind. Otherwise, it's just partway faith. This man who was, we read about in our scripture today, was deaf and dumb. Music, if you want to come, that's, that's fine. We can Waymaker, if you know it. But this man who was deaf and dumb, Jesus comes to him. And we read in our text today what, what happens. There's, you know, we read this and we, we see that he does all things well. But we read that this man who was deaf and dumb, Jesus pulls him out of the multitude. He pulls him out of the crowd. Out of everybody who had issues. Jesus pulls this man who was deaf and dumb out, don't you ever think that God doesn't know where you are? Because he'll pull you out of a multitude. He'll pull you out of the crowd. He 
He'll pull you out of everything that's surrounding you just to get to you. And then he pulls him out, and the Bible says he puts his fingers in his ears. You talk about a weird sight. Puts his fingers in his ears. And he spits and touched his tongue. And looking up into heaven, he sighed and said, that is, be open. And straightway his ears were opened. And and in my mind, Pastor Brown, wouldn't that have been enough? This man who has been deaf for all of these years, for the first time, can hear what a crowd sounds like. He can hear what a bird sounds like when it begins to chirp. He can hear the sound of feet as they fall down into the dust while the multitude is making their way around him just to see the miracle. He can hear the murmurs of the crowd as they begin to speculate on what method is this that Jesus is doing. I've never seen this before. He can hear it for the first time. And in my mind, I'm thinking, wouldn't that have been enough? For the first time, he can hear. But no, Jesus does all things well. Not halfway not part way. And the Bible says the string of his tongue was loosed. And now, not only can he hear, but he can speak what he's never been able to speak before. And maybe he didn't quite know what to say because he hasn't been able to speak. And maybe he hasn't, he hasn't quite figured out Maybe it just kind of sounds odd coming out of his mouth at first. I don't know. But I do know that not only can he now hear, but he can also speak. Because God has done a complete miracle in his life. It would have been enough for me if I could. And all of a sudden, I could hear. I might have even said something like, okay, God, that's enough. I might have thought, you know, it's just, okay, I'm thinking, okay, I can hear everything, and that's enough. But Jesus said, I'm not done with you yet. I'm not through with you yet. I'm still working on you. I've still got something to do in your life. And he loosed the string of his tongue. And now, not only can he hear, but he can begin to speak things into existence. Maybe he tries to formulate the word Jesus. I don't know. Maybe he tries to begin to give God praise as best he can because he hasn't talked before. I don't know. But what I do know is simply this. Jesus did not stop halfway with him. And Jesus is not going to stop halfway with you. I don't know what your need is in this place today, but God is working on everybody. He's working on every person in this place. And I dare you, don't 
Don't you dare give up if you have not seen your miracle come to pass yet. I'm telling you, some of you have been prophesied over and some of you have been told things in the Spirit you have not seen come to pass yet. But I'm reminding you in the Holy Ghost today, God is not done with you because He does all things well. He does all things well. He does all things good. He does all things complete. And even when I can't see it, I'm still rejoicing because I'm a work in progress. Even when I haven't seen it happen yet, I'm still going to give Him glory. And I'm still going to give Him honor because I know He's working on me. Come on, somebody who needs a miracle in this place today, I want you to lift your hands right now and I want you to say God begin to do it in me right now begin to do it in my mind begin to do it in my family God you promised me you promised me you promised me oh and you do all things well I'm rejoicing today even when I haven't seen my miracle Because he does all things well. Come on, lift up your hands right now. And lift up your voice right now. Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I got to have you. Jesus, you said you're a healer. Jesus, you said you're a way maker. Jesus, you said you're a deliverer. Jesus, you said you'd never leave me. Jesus, you said you're my friend. Jesus, I'm going to shout about it right now. I'm going to rejoice in it right now. He does all things.